The New Dentist Boost Camp is a one-of-a-kind CE course that focuses on the new dentists up to six years out of school. The next New Dentist Boost Camp starting October 19th has a few spots available live and unlimited spots to join us via the live stream. Register to be there live or on the live stream at www.dentistboost.com. Here are some Boost Campers talking about their experience from the first Boost Camp. New Dentist Boost Camp really gives us like a lot of resources that I didn't know about before, so it was really nice and some eye-opener, and it kind of creates a camaraderie for us um, to be able to see people who are still in dental school or freshly out or have been in associateship for a couple years or even somebody who has already pra- um, purchased their own practice. So it's really great to kind of have a network of a support system, and I think it's super worth it and really, yeah, worth your time. It's tailored to young dentists so it's a uh, it's a great transition from dental school to CE in the real world so you're surrounded by 19 other other uh, people that are in similar situations as you so you're free to ask the questions you want to ask and uh, you're a little more comfortable in that situation Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are the Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here, Rob. Good to have you, Paul, and welcome to another episode of the Dental Amigos. And today, we're joined by a special guest, Lisa Mergens. Uh, Lisa has been working in the dentist, uh, the dental world for over three decades, and after graduating from Northwestern University in 1989, She practiced clinically as a dental hygienist for 20 years. She went on to study business and marketing and is currently seeking her PhD in organizational leadership. Lisa is the owner of Ascendant Dental Development, LLC, where her primary focus is in leadership development, communication skills, and cleaning up dysfunctional company cultures through coaching and workshops. Paul, do you know anybody with uh, dysfunctional workshops? Yeah, yeah. What, what's higher than 100% of all dental offices? So. <laughs> right. We see a few of them from time <laughs> to time. Um, Lisa's work takes a kind of no-nonsense but positive approach. And rather than informative, she prefers an interactive teaching method. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of those things today and about uh, the positive approach uh, especially, which is something that's near and dear to my heart. And now, without further ado... Here's Lisa Mergens. Welcome, Amiga, and thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, gentlemen. I'm very excited to be here with you today. Uh, it's great to have you, and, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but we haven't had the podcast going that long, so I think I can still go away with it. You are our first Amiga, first female guest, so it's uh, it's great to uh, to have you it's on. It's landmark time in the dental Amiga's world here, I- so thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think that goes down in the history books for, for uh, the dental amigos here. And um, I'm honored to have that, that, that uh, position and, and have be the first woman on your podcast. So 
We like to start off with some hard-hitting questions. So I, I've had the pleasure of meeting you twice in Philadelphia, and I'm going out to Chicago uh, December uh, 9th weekend. So when I go out there, uh, where will we go for nachos, or what's your favorite nacho place in Chicago? Well, Paul, I'm really, really excited to have you come to Chicago. First, because we get to connect, but more importantly, I think we're going to take you to my my new favorite nacho place, um, and they have nachos made in a trash can. Oh, perfect. I've been things, called a trash can eater before, so, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, when people say you just eat everything, Paul, you're a trash can, so that's perfect. Well, it's a new take on dumpster diving, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, they have, um, what is it, what is it? It's um, like a pulled pork topping on it, but it comes in a nice big garbage can, and you just, eat out of the can. Oh, that sounds perfect. I can't wait. That's a, that's the, what every lecturer should do right before they lecture is have nachos. So I'll be ready for you. Looking forward to it. <laughs> I think you can handle it. Yeah, yeah. Experience, I, I yeah, right? Yeah. I'm a new dad. I eat off the floor. I eat whatever. So it's no, no, no problem. Uh, so, so Lisa, <laughs> that's why we have dogs, right, Paul? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Lisa, tell us, you know, you, so you started out as a hygienist. How did you get into mm-hmm. the, uh, the education and, and training business? Well, I've always been an educator, right? Because as a dental hygienist, our, our main goal besides the clinical skills that we're, that we're utilizing is to be an educator. And so teaching was just part of, of what I did on a day-to-day basis. But I fast-forwarded then, you know, two decades into my career and found myself at a place where I couldn't practice clinically anymore. I had gotten, um, I'd gotten very sick and my hands weren't functioning. And so, you know, necessity breeds invention or reinvention at that point. And so I went on and studied graphic design. And then from there, I was watching how what I was doing was um, affecting business and marketing. So then I went on and I studied business and marketing and uh, worked in that world and and did a lot of special event planning and, and new business development. And one of the things I kept coming back to, obviously, was was first of all, dentistry, but watching how people interacted, how they communicated, how they connected. Um, and it drove me crazy because I just thought that there was a better way to do that. And so having been in dentistry for as long as I had at that point, I felt that I could make the, the biggest impact in, in my home-based field because there's a lack of leadership and there's a lack of, of communication and and not lack in terms of it's missing, it's just dysfunctional for, for many practices. And I've lived in that environment. I've worked in practices like that. I've, I've worked around them. And it's sad. And I, I just felt like I have the audacity to make a change here. And so I, I'm doing it. We, we in our in our house right now, Lisa, I have a, I have a, a, a co-owner, a four-year-old and a six-week-old, and the greatest showman is a big theme. And I've one of my nacho rants was how running a dental practice was a lot like managing a circus, um, where mm. the animals don't try to eat you; they just slowly annoy you to death. So I really, I that was a good that was a good <laughs> rant. I, I incur, <laughs> you know, I concur with you because it's just um, no one tells you about this in dental school that these are the things you'll have to do while you're working. And I just think it's awesome that you're you know, helping dentists uh, make this better for themselves every day. Because if, as I do a lot of transitions and Rob does as well, and very few dentists, and by very few, I mean none say, hey, I just can't figure out how to get a crown done when they're in their 50s. But almost all of them say, I just, you know, running the place is just driving me nuts. So. Absolutely. And, you know, here's the thing about it. 
gentlemen, the same complaints we hear today and the same lip service that's being paid to teamwork and culture and leadership that we're, we're hearing today, I was hearing back in 1985 and 1986 and 1987. It hasn't changed. The complaints are still the same. The paying points are still the same. Why is that? Right. Well, let's, we'll get into that in, in, in a minute. Um, yeah. but, but before we do, actually, if you could just tell our listeners specifically, what do you do with dentists and, and what your approach is and kind of what, what your business is? Thank you. Um, so I, I take a, a three-pronged approach for most practices, but I will do any one alone. For me, all of it comes down to communication. People need to be able to speak to one another, and they need to be able to meet each other where they're at. And so I teach communication skills um, for dental practices, you know, whether it's, it's, you know, large groups or small groups, it doesn't matter. But then I also work with dentists to teach them how to lead effectively. And, you know, gentlemen, this is not the, the kumbaya approach. This isn't, you know, everybody holding hands and doing snake charm dances with each other. This is real life stuff, you know, in the moment. And, you know, it's about teaching people um, how to keep people accountable, but still be empathetic and to develop them. And so, I work with dentist leaders or office managers who might be in that leadership position to effectively grow and develop their team. And then ultimately, that turns into creating a company culture within the dental practice where everyone is engaged, where everybody's on the same page, following the vision that, you know, the practice owner has set forth. And then when that, when all those, those three prongs come together and form a triangle, the patient sits in the center of it. The patient's the one who ultimately benefits. Because if we can't provide excellent patient care, then what are we doing? Yeah, and to me as a you know, you know a, a dental layperson, I mean, I it's it's very much you could see this as a patient. I mean, I think sometimes people don't realize that the the culture and the atmosphere and the environment that you create is what your patients are seeing. And so if you have you know, a, a bunch of miserable people uh, around the office, mm -hmm. you know, patients are going to take their cue from that. And it's just not going to be a happy place to hang out. Yeah. Right, Paul? I mean, it's very true. I mean, people notice from when they sit in the waiting room. I think one of the challenges of the dental office is that they're, the behind the scenes work is just getting to be so much. And then you have to do a lot of it while the patients are there. It's the mm -hmm. team is sometimes just pulled in two different directions at the same time. And, and that's why your training is so important because it's, I, I find it become more more challenging, not less challenging as I get into the, you know, dental leadership world where it's almost like if you could just see patients all day and do nothing else, that would go well, or my team loves, and I, and I feel for them, they could have a day where there's no patient in the office and all of them can be busy the whole day doing, you know, quote unquote stuff like, you know, Lisa. So I just think that's a great right. three pronged approach. I, I wish you could add nachos as the fourth prong, but I, I, I do like these three prongs. Well, you know, we could put nachos out by the coffee in the waiting room. Yeah, yeah, right. But yes. here's the thing. But but here's the thing, guys. I did I did a uh, quick search this morning before we got on the podcast, and I I'd, I'd actually never done this before. And I I searched out dental office company culture or something along that line. I got about nine relevant hits out of it in terms of my search criteria. Only one of those hits actually addressed 
came close to what true company culture was. The rest of them all, all talked about it from a patient perspective. And I think that those articles and those, those papers that I, I was looking at really missed the boat because it's not, a, it doesn't start with the patient. The patient is the, is the end receiver of your company culture, right? The company culture has to start with the people who are in it. And if they're not feeling valued, if they're not feeling like they're being developed, if they're not engaged, it doesn't matter how many nacho platters you put in the waiting room for the patient. They're, they're going to, they're still going to, to receive a lesser quality of care. You know, I think it's, um, one third of the workforce out there um, is completely disconnected, disengaged from what they're doing, just 100%. And, and I pulled that off of, I think I pulled that off of the Harvard Business Review. That's a pretty big number. And then it's something like 87% are mostly disengaged, you know, that they don't feel like they're connected to the business that they're working with. And so, you know, we need to address why, because if, people aren't working cohesively, if they're not on the same page, if they're not working towards the same vision, then things are getting dropped, you know, and, and the patient's going to ultimately suffer for that. And so, Lisa, how do you, when you look at, at most dental practices, I realize, you know, everybody's practice is different, but where do you okay. see the problems coming in? What are people failing to do? Or even better yet, what do you usually typically see where people can do things better in that regard? So, so, like like Paul mentioned a moment ago, dental practices are very time-constrained and patient-centric, right? And so, one of the simplest things I think most dentist leaders, and, you know, I do have to include the office managers here because sometimes that, that employee development does fall on, on a, an office manager when it's a, a larger practice, right? Um, so, what I think that they miss are those moment-to-moments and... and acknowledging in the moment what's happening, first of all, being transparent. You know, you don't, so many times people sit and wonder what's going on. You know, what's he thinking? What's she thinking? What's the boss? You know, are they at ma- mad? Are they, are they disgruntled? Whatever. You know, I think a leader in a dental practice needs to be very transparent about what they feel is going right and what they feel is not going right because, when you let everybody in on how you're feeling, there's a collective sigh of relief. Everybody either already knew it or they're glad to be keyed in and then they can work on it. And so, you know, those moment-to-moment times, but also I think that it's more of a, of a top-down management style where it's just task, task, do, 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 instead of developing an employee to learn to do, you know, so it's not telling them what to do. It's, it's giving the ownership and the responsibility back to the employee to have them think about what their actions are doing or what their actions, what, what impact their actions have on their team members, on the patients, you know, on the practice, on the vision, on everything. And so, you know, dental leaders, typically like to just give instructions because that's what you do. You follow procedures and protocols for when you place an implant, don't you, Paul? Yeah. I mean, it's a, there's a lot of checklist style 
things we do all the time. Mm-hmm. And it, it's same thing with you. It's hard yeah. for it's hard for dentists to share their feelings because I went to dental school. I had feelings before I went, and then I went there. I don't have any feelings anymore. They knocked <laughs> them all out of me, Lisa. So, but it, all joking. I, I, and I, I can appreciate that. Yeah, all joking and crying on the inside aside. Um, I think it's actually a real challenge for dentists uh, because they're told in dental school we're trained and just told what we're doing wrong all the time. And Mm -hmm. then you Mm -hmm. leave dental school and you go into the practice and that's really your only culture to use your term. So to try to Mm -hmm. redefine your culture, and I know Rob has a lot of um, interesting content on this because it's not easy to redefine it as a dentist. Well, it's it's any profession. Well, I just want to point, I I was going to say law's got to be very much the same, but I just wanted to point one thing out. You know, most people who are the boss appropriate the management style that they grew up with. So, you know, whether it was your soccer coach or your football coach or your teacher or maybe how your parents parented you, you know, that's what you saw with management because dental schools fail, fail in their ability and their, in their desire to teach these young, beautiful minds something other than how to cut crown prep and, by that, I mean teaching them how to manage people, giving them opportunities to learn these things. You know, that's what they appropriate. They they just model what they knew. That's it. It's only great. It's interesting. So actually, what you were talking about a few minutes ago, Lisa, about uh, empowering people to, to be able to make decisions and, and to, uh, to try to transfer that, that culture. Uh, I think that gets back to an article that you wrote that I read, and I forget where, where I saw it, but you were talking about the three different types of, of management styles, more or less. Uh, if you could mm-hmm. just talk to our listeners about that, because I think that it kind of really helps to kind of couch the, uh, the discussion and, and show really what, what you're talking about. So, you know, there are three main types of leadership styles. One is transactional, one is transformative, and then the other one is just you know, laissez-faire, right? And so each one of them has, has you know, pros and cons. Each one of them works for different types of business models, and, and that's okay. But what we've found really is that that transformational Well, let's talk, if style, I stop you for a second, let's, let's talk about what they are. Sure. So transactional is basically what I sometimes call the step and fetch, right, where you're telling somebody, do this, do that. Right. Or, or right. am I misunderstanding it? No, you're absolutely, you know, it's just, it's just a, a cause and effect. You do this, you get that. So that's transa- transactional. Transformational, you know? then? Um, what is, tell, us, tell everybody what, what you mean when you talk so about transformational that. Transformational is really more about developing the employees and, and having them go on the, the journey of learning to be a better person in that position and and giving them, you know, supporting them, giving them the tools to do it. But ultimately, they have to take ownership and responsibility, and you're still remaining the authority. And then laissez-faire is basically nobody cares. You know, there's no, you know, as long as you get the work done, then, you know, that's it. And we typically don't like that one. That that falls into the the non purposeful way approach. Like I'm not going to do anything and see what happens, right? We're not not favored yeah. by our our school of thinking here. No, definitely, definitely not. So um, you know, I like to think that um, there there can sometimes be a, a mixture of two. And there's a gentleman named Jonathan Raymond who just wrote a book called uh, The Good Authority. 
And I, I, I laughed because the subtitle of this book is How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting for. And I laughed at that because I've been saying for the longest time now, you need to be the leader your team needs today. And, and that means when somebody needs you, you need to be ready to be there for them. You know, your dental assistant is having a rough time with, with something, your hygienist, your front desk, whatever. You need to be in, in there with them and developing them by asking them questions, you know, putting it back on them and, and letting them internalize what, what they're, what they're seeing. You know, I'm not talking about training and systems and protocols. There are consultants a million out there who can teach people, you know, how to train and, and do systems. And that's part of just regular onboarding, onboarding and learning. But this is the softer skill. But in, but in total, what it does is it brings the entire team together and gets everybody functioning more cohesively. And so being the leader that your team needs in that moment means addressing the moment-to-moment issues that, that are coming up and, and supporting them as best you can. I think it's interesting when you talk about supporting, you know, we were talking about this briefly before we went on the air here. Uh, to mm-hmm. me, like the whole uh, field of positive psychology is, is an interesting one. It's just something that kind of I kind of came into over the last couple of years. And I, uh, you know, I read a book uh, called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Acker, which I, I thought was yeah. really you know, very powerful when it, it comes to this kind of stuff. And, you know, we talk about the importance of reinforcing uh, people and really holding people up and, and with positive feedback. I was kind of shocked in that book because what he was saying is the importance of having a minimum ratio of positive to negative feedback of three to one with a six mm-hmm. to one ratio being optimal. And, you know, I think about that in my world, in, in, the, in, in the law practice, and I know it's the same or worse in a, in a dental practice. It's so hard yeah. to, to imagine that, you know, for every time that you have to criticize somebody, that if you really want your team to be productive uh, for you and be able to really generate, you know, good work product and, and do their jobs well, that you should be giving them six positive things at the same time, which I think we all kind of fall into the sort of the the trap shall we say of let's fix the problems when they come along come along and don't really uh hold up and, and acknowledge people that are performing well certainly not to a ratio of six to one i mean what do you, you know what's I mean, your no, reaction think, Paul? you know i i uh, do a lot of management of of human beings in different levels and I've learned a lot of this at an early age, and I was lucky to do through through our own management consultant with recognized behavior being repeated. But you do have to somehow remind yourself to do this with your team and sometimes your family members because it's easy to focus on the problems. But you really, I mean, a transformation occurs when you change your style and you try to embrace some of these ratios like Rob talked about. I know you know this, Lisa, where people mm-hmm. we were putting deposits into their emotional bank account was a big thing that we had in our yes. office in 2010. Yes. And... Uh, it really changed the culture of our office because, you know, in dentistry, it's strange. You know, we just, we sometimes don't, you know, it's a, you know, catch people doing things right. You know, another catchphrase she had given us yeah. and uh, yeah. dentists are not used to, and we used to put it perfectly. He said, from your authority figure, it's rare for dental school instructors to catch a dental student doing something right. Hey, that was a really great management of that patient or, you know, that crown prep was really 
you know, was really good for someone who's only done it twice, right? So, you know, dental school instructors mm-hmm. always say, you know, if dental school instructors talk, talk Daphne how to run, the first time she fell down, they'd be like, you'll never get it. You might as well give up now. So, <laughs> you know, it's Poor just, Daphne. it's just, yeah, it's just, so, uh, but it's, it's not what we're, we're used to. So I agree. It's just, I think all dentists should, you know, embrace this as, because it, it makes your life better. Because what I always say is uh, the dentist stays the same in the office, but the team will change for a variety of reasons, whether people move, mm-hmm. whether people go to a different job, whether people are no longer mm-hmm. invited to work at that place anymore. But so you might as well work on this because it's going to affect every day of your life for the next 30 years. Well, you know, and there's nothing wrong with with a, a, an employee who self-limits either, right? Because if they don't fit into what you're looking to create, then them not being invited back the next day or Choosing to not come back is perfectly fine. But the thing is, um, you know, the the amount of encouragement you give pays off in huge dividends. And the field of positive psychology really is about not fixing what's broke. You know, what's the point of trying to fix what's broke? Let's take something that's working and make it even better, right? Right. And so, you know, I'm part of of the VIA Institute and... um, you know, it's it's all strength space, and it's you know, I'm sure you gentlemen have heard of um, Gallup's Clifton Strength Finder. Yeah, I have um, These are all exactly so. Um, so Strength Finder and the Via Institute are both based in positive psychology. Um, strength Finder is for profit. Via is non for profit. But the whole point of of it is that this is leadership and communication that's all based in positive psychology. And, and then what I do is I teach the leaders how to find the strengths within their teammates and develop those, you know? So if I, if I know Paul or Rob, that you've got a team member that, you know, might be struggling somewhere. Well, you know, let's, let's find out what does work for this person and let's develop those characteristics on them, you know, because then we can maybe overcome some of those lesser strengths by by doing so. And the same thing with communication. When I teach communication skills, I use a particular program called PeopleMap. And PeopleMap is 100% based in positive psychology, and it's very simple, it's very translatable, and it's easy to implement because, again, it focuses on strengths where, you know, there, there, you've heard of Myers-Briggs, you've heard of DISC, you've heard of Colby. There's different types of assessment tools out there. Uh, but, but those tend to pigeonhole people into you are this and that is who you are, where people map, first of all, isn't about your personality type as much as it is about your communication style. It does have to do with personality, but it takes what you've got, your, your inherent strengths, and it teaches you what the drawbacks are to those strengths, but then it also takes those weaker areas that you've got and, and develops those along the way so that, you know, if, if I'm talking to somebody who's a different communicate, com- communication um, style than I have, I know how to communicate with them. And, you know, that translates to not just between the, the boss and the staff member, but the patient as well. And so, and between team members, and so when everybody can speak to one another, it makes developing and, and, you know, working, putting out a good work product much easier. I think that's just, just awesome. And tell me a little bit, Lisa, because I'm always interested in how things work. Like, 
I know when HIPAA and OSHA trainers come into the office and they tell us what we're doing. I mean, if a HIPAA trainer comes in, you're just you're always vi- violating HIPAA no matter what. And I'm just I'm just joking. Rob, <laughs> a HIPAA expert. No, it's no. like I'm at my uh, grandmother's house. You're violating HIPAA. Don't don't talk while you're there. You know, <laughs> HIPAA, everything. I'm violating. You're breathing. You're violating HIPAA. Don't don't breathe. There's just so. Uh, <laughs> but when people come in and do those trainings, I know what well, they look like. Wait, wait. Yeah. yeah. But uh, would, what does it look like when you go? Because I'm really just genuinely curious. I know our listeners will be too. So let's say. Walk us through a client or someone who's reached out to you. When you go in and work with them, what does it look like? You're you're meeting with them. You're working with the team. You're doing exercises. I'm, I really am just truly curious as to how that works. No, thank you. Thank you for asking. So let's just hit on the communication part of it. So typically what I'll do is I'll go into uh, either a practice or sometimes it's a group of practices who get together and you know, it's kind of fun to do it, you know, with, with the larger, with the larger group because, you know, you've got more personalities happening there and more people bringing things to the table. And so what I do is, um, I start talking to them about, um, different communication styles. I give them a short seven question, you know, self scored assessment and we, we figure out where they fit in on those, those four styles and, and, you know, what their, their top style is, what their second supportive, you know, style is. And then we start doing real life scenarios and we do, um, we do role playing and we, you know, there's a lot of sharing that's going on. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that I get a lot of aha moments because it's not just about what they're thinking is happening in their business, but, you know, I get the wife going, that's why my husband talks to me like that. You know, it's amazing. And because I, we've, you know, one of my actual trainers, also as a patient, Mark Dorio, you know, talks about situation, behavior, and impact, and he's talked with our team, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's actually poignant and touching where team members will come back a week later and say, really, thanks for, um, you know, getting us that training. It's really helping me in my personal life, you know, so. Absolutely, and I get that, I get that over and over and over again, and, you know, think about the impact that makes on people, you know, where they had a disharmony, you know, disharmony in their home life, and all of a sudden, you know, the spouse may not have taken it, but, but, you know, the employee did, and so that employee is able to communicate. So here's what I like to say. Um, I have three children, uh, boy, girl, boy. Two of them are away at college. One is home for another year. But uh, I can say to my oldest son, Rob is his name, Rob, I need you to get the garbage out, sweep the back porch, run the vacuum cleaner, and go to the grocery store and get me some milk before you come home, you know, before you go out tonight. And he'll say, all right, fine. I can say the same thing to my younger son, Patrick, and he might say, well, what time do you need it done by? But he'll still get it done, and it's fine. And then I can say the same thing in the same way to my daughter, and she'll look at me and ask me why I'm yelling at her. <laughs> that was Seinfeld. He was, my, my, my normal voice isn't welcome in my own home, and I, I, I can relate to that. So. <laughs> Why is that, Lisa? I, one of my questions for you was, when we do employee reviews and, and things, I'm always mm-hmm. just really bewildered that I can be running an office and I can have a hygienist say, this is the greatest place to work. And I can have, I'm just mm-hmm. going to use an example, front desk person say, this place is not a good place to work. And it kind of boggles my mind. It's the same place, the same thing with your kids. Why, why is that? Well, the, the, we've got two different things happening here, Paul. Uh, so one is perspective. In, in for a job culture, right? So she's she's that that front desk gal. She's missing the key of what your vision is, what your culture should be, and and where she fits into it. Okay, 
what I was referring to with my daughter is that she just hears me differently. You know, if I were to come to her and say, hey, Darcy, I need you to help me out because I've got a lot on my plate right now. And if you wouldn't mind, could you please blah, 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 blah. She would turn to me and say, sure, mom, no problem. It's how I said it to her. That's the difference. The boys I can bullet point to, my daughter, and it's not a male-female thing. It just happens to be, you know, their type. But my daughter is a very emotional, feeling-type person. She's not task-oriented. She's not, you know, just check the check the boxes on, on the list. She needs to feel like she is appreciated in that moment and that you're making that emotional connection with her. And so maybe that front desk person, you know, the, the fictional, you know, fictitious front desk person that you've just mentioned, perhaps she's got a disconnect in communication with the rest of the team. And so she feels out in left field all alone. And I just had that happen with a practice that I was working with put them through the communication and and um, training. And they, I mean, they were bought into it from the minute we started. I mean, they were getting their aha moments and, you know, they could see how each one of the team members was, you know, this type or that type and how better to communicate with each one of them. And it was going amazingly except one person. She would not make the change. She just could not get herself to get on the bus with everybody else. And so she ended up quitting. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen scenarios and like that's that. Okay. And that's okay. And what's interesting is usually in those scenarios, I do some, you know, the, whether it's the buyer coaching or transition or some consulting, usually those people also are very good at their job. So it's weird because they are mm-hmm. competent at what they and do. And she was. And then their, their emotional EQ is diff off. And that's, that's not easy on a dentist. Because not surprising, like you said, Lisa, they've taught us none of this in dental school. But a lot none. of Krebs they cycle. Fail you. Rob, they fail you. Right now, Rob and I know the exact same amount about the Krebs cycle. And I spend hours on the Krebs cycle. <laughs> but they could have done this, but they don't. I, I Google that every time yeah. you talk you know, about right? it. And I, and I always forget about it. <laughs> yeah. after are we I talking Google the it, AP? Right? But so. where are we? Are we in the ADP or the ATP, you know? Yeah, um. now I'm flashbacks, Lisa, so. <laughs> Yeah. I saw a post of you the other day, or today, I think, with you, and somebody's mentioning the Krebs cycle on it. That was so funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they, they do they do absolutely fail you. And, you know, I've been working on piloting a program to bring to fourth-year dental students right now. And actually, when I was in um, Philadelphia with you a few weeks ago, Paul uh, and Rob, I uh, was speaking to one of the students, and I want to bring this this leadership class to the dental students. This needs to be, you know, you know, you've got your new dentist booth camp and whatnot. You know, this needs to get seated into them early because then it becomes part of their everyday lexicon. It becomes second nature to them. And so you're not having to worry about, okay, did I give Mary, you know, six positive reinforcements today before I yelled at her. You know what I mean? You don't have to worry about that. It becomes, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean Mary, because we know that you always give Mary wonderful positive Perfect husband. They say there's no such thing as perfect husband except me. It may not not work the other way around, though. I don't know how reciprocal it is. I I I love Mary. Are we we on a monthly schedule, a biannual schedule? And we don't blame Mary for that. (laughs) I know. Yes, you're right. Thanks. You're right, Rob. And Mary can do no wrong in my book because you have the most wonderful wife in the world. Thanks. And as uh, you know, um, (laughs) so, so here's the thing. You can't 
expect employees to change or the culture to grow or for people to give their best and be fully engaged unless you are. So, you know, you got to have that beginner's mind. You've got to have that growth mindset that everybody talks about nowadays. And even the most seasoned professional can get a beginner's mindset again. You know, think about starting something new. Imagine yourself in in a position. You know, Paul, do you play or Rob, do you play a, an instrument, either of you? I used to. I do not. I'm not an instrument player. Uh, I've, I've talked about, about, yeah. about okay. uh, learning to play the guitar at, at the ripe age of 50. Okay, My so, wife makes fun so, of me for that. But uh, Dan I'm, Marino, our podcast person, plays the guitar for all of us included. So yeah, yeah. It's, Dan, it's Dan's a great, great musician. Yeah. 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 So. Well, next time I'm there, I'm going to ask him to play for me. But my point here is, think about if you were to go and sit down and start taking a guitar lesson right now. Think about how hard that is, right? At our age, you know, you guys are, I think you're probably about a decade younger than I am, Paul. I don't know where you're at on the scale, Rob. But my point is, learning something new is hard the older we get. But it still can be done as long as we keep our mind open to, to learning it. And so I don't think that we need to exclude the more seasoned professional in this, but I really want to touch these young dentists where they're at so that it does become second nature to them, so that they are learning those skills to engage their employees and to develop their employees because ultimately You've got the continuity of care that's happening when, you know, the employee engagement is there and they're staying around longer where they're feeling valued. And, you know, it doesn't, they, they don't have to stay with you forever. That's not going to happen. You know, people self-limit for, you know, reasons like you explained before. They move, whatever. But knowing that you're getting, you know, the best you can out of those people and they're coming to work happy and, and feeling appreciated is so important. So we just need to reach them in the beginning, I think. Well, I think it's also important for the practice owner, too, because, as you said, the way that the people that I see that are older people that are still living happy, productive lives are people that are open minded, who are interested in trying new things, going to new places. And, you know, that becomes a, you know, sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy for the people that do it. And if you have, you know, the ability to empower those around you to, to learn, then you're going to be a happier person flat out, you know? Um, Absolutely. But you know, here, it's not, I keep talking about, about, um, you know, developing others and showing empathy and things like that. And I'm not saying that you're not the boss, you're still the authority, you're setting boundaries, but you're creating trust. Um, you're still developing them, but you're being vulnerable by being transparent. You know, and there's there's humility involved in that. But, you know, it's the leader who's the light force behind any change that's going to happen. And, you know, being the good authority is what holds people accountable. Yeah, and I think, too, that, you know, you, you as, a, as a practice owner or a business owner, you have the ability to create the culture that you have to spend every day in. Right, you know, yeah. and, and you anybody do, that complains yeah. that they don't like the culture in their office, well, then they should do something to change it because you do have, you have the ability to, to make those changes. And, and, and just if you're going to just for your own self-serving reasons to, to, to be able to, to show up every day in a place that's, that's more fun or more pleasant to, to be in, you know, is, is rewarding in and of itself before you even get into you know, from a just a dollar and cent standpoint, that people, when they're oh, happy, absolutely. are going to perform better. 
Well, culture creates better humans, not just better executors. It creates better humans. And who doesn't want to work with better humans? Yeah. And I think, too, that you know, you know, one of our you know, ongoing themes and something that I say on this show and then also um, giving presentations is just as with any professional, it's just so important to just see beyond just the practice of the profession. You know, whether you're a dentist or a lawyer, uh, a physician, take your pick. You know, for all of us, it's just easier just to go in and just practice your profession and not worry about all these other things that are going on around you. And, you know, the clients mm-hmm. that we have that do that, who have a constant, you know, turnover of, of employees and, and associates, you know, we see the, the effects of that. And those people are focused on their business, you know, to the detriment and everything else. And, and you know, well, you truly can't, you can't afford to do that. You have to run, you know, even as a professional, you still have to run your business. And part of running your business is figuring out how to manage and empower and incentivize the people that work for you. So, so what you're actually describing is confirmation bias, right? So they're, they're living in what they think is always true. You know, something happened once or something happened twice, so it must always be true. You know, I invested time in this employee. I took them on this, this trip with the team. I paid for a continuing education course, and they quit. So I'm not going to do that anymore because they only quit. Confirmation bias. And so that's, you know, that's pervasive through dentistry. You know, it's fear-based. Totally. I mean, I've I've ranted on this many times that dentists, if they ever applied their dentist brain to eating at a restaurant, something they love, they would never go because if they read a Yelp review that was bad but 98 were great, they would just want to know why that one person said they didn't like the nachos. And it's it's just, I actually think, I talk a lot about dentist stress, decreasing dentist stress, and I think it's, you know, the future of the industry really depends on it. And I, I think what you're doing so important, Lisa. Oh, thank you, guys. I, I appreciate that. You know, I think that, that dentists leaders just need to, to commit and choose to lead, right? They, they need to make that that choice. And it's not about knowing everything. It's about I'm learning. And so, you know, when I, when I coach dentists um, or, or managers, it's, a, it's about teaching them. So, you know, as I'm developing them as a coach, you know, so they become the leader coach. And so as I'm training them, they're then turning around and implementing it with their employees. And they have to be honest. That's where that transparency comes in. When they're, if they're making a change, if they're not coming into it that way, they have to be honest with their employees and say, look, I really appreciate you guys. Uh, this is my vision, you know, and, and back to vision quickly. You know, whatever vision is created for the practice, it's got to be bold, and you, they've got to just keep nailing it, you know, over and over and over. And I, I heard somewhere that when you get so sick and tired of repeating what your vision is, you're only halfway done repeating it. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> you know, so, but, but my point is you, you have to be transparent and just say to your employees, we're doing something new. And this is really important because I value you. I value what you bring to the practice. I want this to be the best it can ever be. I might make a couple of mistakes here or there. Bear with me. I'm learning, but we're going to learn together. We're going to grow together. And this is going to be amazing. And so, you know, if you're transparent with them, it's not like you're coming in with some new crazy concept and, you know, when will this, you know, fall off like everything else? You know, it's, it's a habit. 
you know, leadership is a habit. Yeah, good stuff. I, I love it. Um, Lisa, uh, this is all really important, I think. And thanks so much for uh, for being on the show today. Uh, how can uh, people get in touch with you? Oh, well, they can email me directly at lisa at lisamergens.com. That's um, M-E-R-G-E-N-S. Uh, they can go to my, my website, which is Ascendance Dental Development, and they can find me the same um, Ascendant Dental Development on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn and Instagram. And I just, can I plug something here, you guys? Absolutely. That was, my, that was going to be my next yeah. question, Lisa. Well, you know what? If you, Paul, you know me. I'm not a big plugger. I don't believe in doing that. I don't get all over the Facebooks and things and say, you know, look at me, look at me, look what I'm doing. That's not who I am. But yeah. I did just <laughs> start a brand new group um, off of my Ascendant Dental Development Facebook I just started a new group. Um, it's just conversations and discussions for, for dental leaders. Okay. And I, I literally only have 14 members. I mean, I just I'm started one of them, I think. I, yeah. I just joined that, I think. I, well, I, I think I, yeah, I think I, I, think I, I invited you guys. Is that and, a Facebook you know, group, Lisa? It is. It's, and it's off my business page, Ascendant Dental Development. And um, here, let me i got to pull it up here so I can, I can tell you yeah, exactly. Just let me know what that is. And we can, we can put all this, uh, we'll be in the, uh, in the show notes too for people to see. That, that would be awesome. But my point is that it's there to teach people how to be better leaders. And it's about the conversations, right, um, in, in how to develop your team. So they can, they can find me there on my business page. Um, and then I've got an 800 number, which is 833-876-TEAM. Yeah, I mean, I'm really this greatly. So I want to, I want to. Uh, our first boost camp uh, was just so phenomenal. I want to connect some of those people with you because they, you know, this is just an ongoing training thing that people need, just like high level athletes. So I, I, we really appreciate you being here and sharing all of this with with us. And I appreciate you having me. And I'm so excited. I got to be the first gal, the first Amiga doing it. So we are too. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with the Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.